how about that for an opening weekend of the XFL 3.0? Pretty good, pretty good show, I, I think, that we got. Uh, welcome back to Booth Review. As always, I'm your host, Devin Primrose, joined by the Sultan of Spice himself, Mr. Peter Strauss. What is going on, man? I am doing great. This is totally the first time we did this intro. I didn't mess it up before. <laughs> um, if if I don't have, if I'm a little quiet, it's because I went to a concert over the weekend and uh, screamed a lot. Hey, so, there you go. Who'd you go but see? It was uh, the Wonder Years with Hot Mulligan and Carly Cosgrove. Ooh, Hot yeah. Mulligan. It was I've, a fun time. I've been wanting to see them for a minute. They're playing the uh, the Sad Summerfest, um, so I'm hoping to catch them there with like yeah. Taking Back Sunday and all of them. Yeah, that's down in your neighborhood, right? Yes, close. sir. An hour and some change away, so that's the plan. That's the plan. Nice. You'll see this if you see them, but the, I'm convinced the lead singer of Hot Mulligan is just uh, the pop punk Jason Momoa. Like he looks like the <laughs> hair, the beard, like it's all there, dude. It's all there. That makes sense. I I can kind of see that. I can kind of see that. Well, did you get to watch any of the games this weekend? I watched some of the Vipers game. Um, I think I fell asleep in the middle of it. But other than that, I just said it was a busy weekend. I didn't get a ton of time, but I did watch the highlights. I looked at the stats. I did some research. So I'm as prepared as I can be without being able to watch the game. So I got you. I got you. Honestly, I feel like the uh, the attendance was pretty good. Um, I will say the first game, which was the Vipers and Renegades, on TV, it did not look like great attendance. Um, I want to check and see if I can pull up the numbers. I posted them in the Discord earlier, but then yeah, so the numbers it was that was the lowest attended of the weekend, um, the yeah. very first game, with which it had just over twelve thousand people there, which I think is pretty solid. Um, from what I saw, they were aiming to average around ten thousand. Um, that was the goal, and so yeah, I mean compared over to 12. the. Compared to the USFL games that yes. weren't Birmingham games last yeah. year, I mean, it looked it looked like at least half that stadium was at least half of the bottom. Yeah, it's of that it's stadium tough. Was filled, so it's tough because that's one of the bigger stadiums. It's, it's so that's the old um, Texas Rangers ballpark. They built the new, their new ballpark literally right across the street, and they've just kept that one around for events like this. Um, that's where they were playing three years ago in XFL 2.0, the same stadium. Um, and that stadium holds, when it was a baseball stadium, it held like 48,000 people. And so that's kind of the, the tough thing about using that stadium is it looks like it, it'll look like there's less people than it really is. Whereas you contrast that to um, the DC Defenders home field and, and Audi Field. And I want to say Audi Field holds close to 20,000. And they had just they had just over twelve thousand people there as well. So pretty similar numbers, but it looked like more people for the defenders just because of the size of the stadium. Well, the defenders fans also know how to party. A hundred percent. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching the, that game and like <laughs> I'm sitting there watching the game and the way the fans are reacting, and then even like the end of the game after the team has won. There's people in the crowd taking their shirts off, like twirling them around their heads, and I'm like, 
these are my people. Like this is this is my team. They, they, I'm I'm home. This is this is where I need to be. <laughs> oh, oh man. man, who who you got as your uh, best of the booth for week one? Uh so in true booth review fashion, I have kind of a category here. Um, these quarterbacks all lost, but I feel like they played like really well and still deserve a shout out here. So I have a category of QBs who tried their best because they were really the only (laughs) shining part of their team that still lost. You look at, uh, Luis Perez was 22 for 36, so 61%, not a great percentage, but 249 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. He did have two picks. Um, but again, when you're, slinging the ball around that much when your team's relying on you that much. Sometimes those mistakes can happen. Um, another guy, uh, Jack Cone, I think his name is, yep. for the Brahmas, yep. who has, I don't think he ever played in the NFL. By the way, don't like if you listen to our preview, none of the guys we thought were starting quarterbacks really started. Like AJ McCarron and Ben DiNucci did. But other <laughs> than that, like... Every other game was like, well, this isn't who we said was playing. I, I was surprised <laughs> that Sloter didn't start for the Renegades. I it, I don't know if there's some injury there or if Sloter is still even with that team. I'm assuming he's still with that team. Um, but I wonder if maybe Plitt just outplayed him in practice, although it didn't necessarily look like it in the game. Like Plitt would, did not have a great game. Yeah. He was fine. His team won, so, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you got the win. That's all that matters. Um, But the Brahmas, Jack Cohn, was... I just lost my note here. I physically wrote stuff down because I couldn't figure out the stats earlier today. <laughs> 25 for 36, 70% completion percentage for a guy that nobody's ever heard of, right? And his first start in professional football it is professional football but yeah. you know what i mean one of the only only four quarterbacks threw for over 200 yards he was one of them uh 207 he had one touchdown and one pick that wasn't his fault the pick he had a lot of receivers he would have been a lot better he had i think three or four passes i saw in the highlights that went off of receivers hands including one that got tipped and picked off so that was his one pick and then he had a strip sack fumble because his offensive line failed him. So kudos <laughs> to that guy playing a hell of a game again with his team not being able to step it up at the very end. Yeah. Um, and freaking Ben DiNucci, 35 of 54. That man threw the ball 54 times. That's crazy. 65% completion percentage, 282 yards, which is the most of the week, I believe. Um, he had one touchdown and two interceptions. And again, the interceptions didn't start until the defenders got real rowdy. We'll get to it later. But these guys, I mean, it's called, it's It's called home field advantage, man. (laughs) It is called home field advantage. (laughs) I just think it's crazy how these quarterbacks played so well. I mean, what, um, pretty sure. Was it one of these? Yeah. Ben DiNucci played Jordan Te'amu, who was eight of 16. Like yeah. the amount, the amount that the Sea Dragons outplayed the defenders and still lost. Yeah, they had twice as many total yards: three thirty-one for the Sea Dragons, one seventy-seven for the defenders. 
Yeah, I mean, and they it, still lost. It was it was DC's defense that was getting it done. You know, yeah. Ironically, their name is the Defenders, and the defense came to to play. Um, Michael Joseph had two both the picks, and he returned one of them for a touchdown. So credit to that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it is interesting because the offense was not good, um, but timely turnovers, getting you know a a, a pick six helps out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like you said, the, the, the sea dragons definitely outplayed him in the first half. And it really wasn't until that second half when the alleged beer snake when got confiscated by the, security, no, there's, there's video. It happened. <laughs> the fun police came in and ruined it. I won't get into it yet. We'll get there. But second springling in a row, we got fun police happening and it's not okay. Um, hey, hey, hashtag free the snake. <laughs> but allegedly, that was that was trending on Twitter during that game, and I do wonder if that was entirely because of the DC game, or if maybe there's some other implications there that you know had it tr- had it trending on Twitter. <laughs> no, it's like uh, it's another Harambe incident, but it's a snake now. <laughs> Somebody fell in a snake pit. Oh, hey, God no. Hey. Free, free the snake. But yeah, as soon as the, the beer snake was confiscated, the crowd turned on the security quite quickly and started li- throwing lemons on the field, which I think definitely played a part in uh, in the, the that DC defense getting all riled up. Oh yeah, and and I got a I got a whole metaphor ready to go. I'm ready for that, but we'll get there in under review. But my <laughs> best of the booth are these quarterbacks who did everything they could to win this game. And just in the end, it just wasn't enough. Um, yeah. But I felt like they deserved a shot, especially Ben DiNucci and Jack Cohn with freaking yeah. how much they threw the ball and how much they were able to get completions. And Jack Cohn especially should have had more and shouldn't have had a turnover. But it does football look, is football. It did look to me like... So two, two of the... the the head coaches in the XFL are former players that are getting their first time, uh, first head coaching jobs. Um, Rod Rod Woodson and Heinz Ward, and Heinz Ward being the head coach of the San Antonio Brahmas, it did look to me like both of those guys, when they got down, they didn't quite know how to make the necessary adjustments to to counteract what was happening to them. Uh, right. Because both of those teams had big leads. I want to say both of both the Vipers and Brahmas had ten plus point leads at one point in the in those games, and everything kind of started changing for them, and they didn't quite know how to adjust to that. So it'll be interesting to watch moving forward if those two guys can make the the coaching adjustments that you've got to make as a head coach. Um, but I'm glad that you brought up that that Brahmas game because my best of the booth. Is going out to the St. Louis Battlehawks, um, and I don't necessarily think that they played a great game, but I've got to, I've got to, you know, give them some credit, uh, especially the AJ McCarron to Austin Prowell connection that was established in this game. They had the first three-point conversion of the season, they had the first onside conversion, and they had the go-ahead touchdown with three seconds left. All three of those were passes from McCarron to Prowell. First three-point conversion, first onside conversion, and the go-ahead touchdown with 16 seconds left. Um, I believe it was just under a minute and a half when 
the uh, Battlehawks were down by 12, I think it was. I think they were down 12 with just over yep. a minute and a half left and came back and scored um, 15 points. 15 points to go up 18-15. Um, and like I said, all of them were, were, were from McCarron to, to Prowell, who just played great in, the, in that final stretch. Uh, as a whole, I don't think that they necessarily played great the entire game. McCarron didn't play necessarily that bad, but uh, the final three minutes is where the whole game shifted, and that, that's what changed everything. Um, yeah, just to give a little update, I know we had some requests in the Discord to kind of break down the new rules a little bit, so I'm going to do that real quickly. But in the XFL, when you score a touchdown, you can go for 1 point, 1.2 points, or 3 points um, in conversions. There's no more kicks after the touchdown. It's 1 point, 1.2 point, 3 point conversions. The 1 point is from the 2-yard line. The two points from the five yard line, the three point is from the ten point or from the ten yard line, and that's what happened. They they had a ten yard play from from the uh, ten yard line to get that the three point conversion. Then they decided because in the final two minutes you can either do an onside kick if you so choose, or do a fourth and fifteen for an onside conversion, and I believe that's from your own twenty five yard line, and that's what happened. They did a fourth and fifteen play, McCarron. Toss it to, to Prowell, picked it up, um, and they, they retained the ball. So two two new interesting rules for the XFL versus you know what most people are accustomed to in football. And the Battlehawks used it to their advantage and got it done and ended up getting the win. Uh, 18-15 final score. I mean, hats off to you, St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Austin Pro, he only had the four catches, but all four of those catches were... Yeah. I mean, they were for forty nine yards. Like they weren't just like dump yeah. offs. Like he was, and three of them, when, three of them were were big time catches. Yeah, I mean, when you when, when you absolutely needed it, when it mattered, he got done what needed to get done. Um, and AJ McCarron too. And I'll, I'll, I'll I have a legitimate counterfeit, and it does have to do with him. But AJ McCarron showing kind of that experience of like, okay, it's we need to do this to win the game. Let's get it done. Yeah, and that's what he did. Um, <clears throat> so that's always. That's always cool to see because it makes the game more interesting. Like, and then especially in the XFL when you can go for three points and you can, it's easier to get an onside conversion. It's like makes the end of the games way more exciting. Like in the NFL, like with that much time left, it feels almost impossible in that scenario. But in the XFL, it's it's a little more in reach. So yeah, yeah. Hats off to those guys. Definitely. Who you got under review? Well, I hinted it a little bit ago. And we had to call out the fun police last year. If you guys don't remember, the USFL, the week before <laughs> Kirby Wilson, before week one of the USFL, fired a man, one of their like star players, like one of their most yeah. well-known players, yeah. for asking somebody for a slice of pizza. <laughs> and the whole season, it came back to haunt them. They won one game. And they didn't even get the first round pick at the end of the year. Because that had the makings of a curse. When you talk about like uh, Babe Ruth going to uh, the Yankees or uh, the Cubs playoff game where the guy caught the foul ball. Like yep. these kinds of these kinds of curses. This is a curse in the making. Yeah. And that's what happens when you're the fun police and you come in. And they were even saying in the highlights, like, this is a tradition of yeah. the D.C. defenders, yeah. of a team that was only around for six months, three years ago. 
Not even six it is, months. <laughs> it is a tradition. Yeah. That these fans are going to take their empty beer cups and make a snake out of it. And security guards were coming in and said they couldn't do it and were slapping the beer cups out of their hands. So what happened? Life gave the fans lemons. And the lemons, the fans stuck them on the field. <laughs> and that moment, the very next play after they stopped the game was Ben DiNucci's first pick. Yep, yep. So under review are... The security guard fun police at the DC Defender Stadium, you know what these fans are getting into. If you go into this job, you should do your research about, you know, what kind of events you're hosting. <laughs> you should know what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, the DC Defenders got the win. It's weird because I don't know who's getting cursed because the DC Defenders still got the win. <laughs> so if you're playing in DC, just be careful because they might go undefeated at home this year. <laughs> I if I mean I think if they go undefeated at home it absolutely has a lot to do with those fans. I mean definitely we'll we'll see we'll see what uh the Battlehawks fans are like this weekend when they host their first home game. Or wait, they don't they don't they don't host a home game until week four, is that correct? Oh let me Dang. check let me check the schedule. Yeah, yeah, week four the Battlehawks don't get a home game until week four, but St. Louis uh, three years ago, also had a very good crowd, very good crowd turnout. Um, just like San Antonio, San Antonio had a great crowd turnout on on um, Saturday. Uh, the numbers for them, they had just over twenty four thousand. So the other three home games had just over twelve thousand. The Ballhawks said, "We'll we'll double that," and they put up twenty four thousand fans <laughs> coming out to the game. Um, and I think St. Louis will have something very similar whenever they finally get around to hosting in, in week four because they definitely had a good crowd uh three years ago. And I and I think that I think that says a lot about these cities that don't have NFL teams to root for. I know DC is a little bit different because they do have the um the commanders, but do they really count at this point? I mean, come on. Uh but St. Louis, San Antonio, these are teams that these are cities that are probably arguably big enough to to possibly host an NFL team, or in St. Louis's case, had a team ripped away from them, um, and so they're going to come out and support these these XFL teams. And I'm here for that because it's fun. It's fun seeing a good crowd. Yeah, it's fun until the fun police come by. Yeah, yeah, and take away their beer snake. <laughs> like this. The Bills fans throwing snowballs was like, okay, yeah, it snowed, and they didn't clean it. And, like, if you have snowballs, what else are you supposed to do, right? right. I mean, <laughs> like, that one made sense. This one, they just had lemons. Like, they were giving out lemons with all their beers, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. There were full lemons on the field. Yeah, yeah. These I don't, I don't know. Lemons. I don't know where they came from, but uh, the... <laughs> the stadium did not quite think that through if they were the ones they, giving them out. They weaponized the very crowd that they were trying to put down. <laughs> like, what were they supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. You can't take away their fun. It's football, and it's not even like it's XFL. Like, yeah, it's people want their teams to win, but it's not it's, like NFL yeah. level of like the heartbreak and the drama right. and like yeah. This is just fun. Let them have fun. Yeah, that's all I want. I'm with you. Just, I'm with you. Well, speaking of of having fun there's a certain group uh 
on the Orlando Guardians that did not have a whole lot of fun this weekend. And that is the Orlando Guardians offensive line. And that's why I have them under review, because they allowed seven sacks. Seven sacks. You want to talk about a team that just got completely dominated, which was crazy to see because the other three games were pretty close. And I think the other three games all kind of came down to the wire. This one was not close. Um, Houston's defense came to play. And credit to Houston, I I want to shout them out. They could have very easily been best of the booth, especially Trent Harris, because Trent Harris had four sacks on on Sunday. Um, But the Orlando Guardians offensive line couldn't stop anything. Allowed seven sacks. They only allowed, or they only um, allowed their running backs to rush for seventy-eight total yards. Uh, just a terrible performance all the way around. And I gotta say, man, I'm a little worried about that Guardian squad moving forward. Paxton Lynch didn't look great. Quentin Dormady, who came in in relief, didn't look great. They threw three picks combined between the two of them, uh, probably because they were under pressure all game. Uh, it's just just a very, very rough showing for them. Um, and I don't know if that speaks about how good Houston is or if that speaks more about how bad Orlando is, um, but I guess I guess we'll see moving forward. Uh, it's definitely definitely worrisome for the Guardians. Yeah, so it doesn't actually sound like the offensive line had the worst time because, like, they didn't do anything and still got paid. Really, I mean, I Paxton, that Lynch, Paxton Lynch and Quentin Dormady had uh, had the roughest time against the rough necks. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Paxton Lynch sacked four times, Dormady sacked three for a total of 42 yards. Yeah. Took 42 yards, basically half the field away yeah. from the Guardians. That's insane yeah it was a it was a rough rough outing for sure for sure we got a uh we got a legit counterfeit i do have a legit counterfeit Hey-o. and um it's pretty simple because the game that interested me the most going back and watching the highlights were the brahmas and the battle hawks because like we said the brahmas were ahead by a lot towards the end of the game yeah and uh, at the very end, the Battle Hawks got a drive, got the onside, you know, three point conversion, got the onside, went down, scored again to win by three points. And I was curious because AJ McCarron didn't look good until then. So right. basically, my legit or counterfeit is AJ McCarron, legit or counterfeit. Um, let me throw some numbers at you. So the whole game, he was 18 for 26 for. 190 um, with two touchdowns. So 18 of 26. um, That's like 70%, I think. So really good for the total game. Right. Before that second to last game. So for three and a half quarters, his numbers were eight for 15 for 73 yards. And then that those two last drives, he was 10 of 11 for 117 yards. And that's, you know, literally half of a quarter. So do you think because he played well enough just at the very end of the game to win the game, is he legit moving forward with this team or are the first three and a half quarters worrisome? Um, no, I would definitely say that the first three and a half quarters are worrisome. Um, I, I think that it speaks more to the, there's definitely guys that have like that clutch factor. 
that that you know that's that's something that's not quite tangible like you can't really like turn on film necessarily and see that um but they get it done when the game matters and i think that speaks more to mccarran's clutch factor than necessarily his talent level um and i think mccarran is good do i think 10 weeks from now we'll be sitting there saying adrian mccarran is the best quarterback or even top three quarterback in the league i don't think so man like i don't think that he is um He's he's in his thirties. He's getting up there in age. Uh, I think that was this was just more of everything going right, and 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 a, he he had a lot to do with that. But everything going right at the right time, and as I mentioned, Heinz Ward being a new head coach, not quite knowing how to stop the stop the snowball, if you will. Um, everything just kind of started going downhill, and he didn't know how to how to get things back on track. Um, and I, I don't know how, to, like, I don't know how much blame to give him because you're up 12 points with three minutes left. Like you would think that that's an, that's a win. That that's a victory. And like everything had to go right for the battle Hawks to walk out of there with a win and everything did go right. So I don't know how much blame I could put on the Brahmas and Heinz Ward, especially. And I also, on the flip side, don't know how much, credit to give McCarron because of that. So I'm going to say that he currently is still counterfeit, but he looks, he looked good for those final minutes. Yeah, I think I'm going to go still cautiously, but kind of opposite. I'm going to say legit mm. because of the clutch like factor experience. I mean, not to compare him to him, but when I think of like comeback clutch factor, like Patrick Mahomes has made a whole career out of it. Right. So, um, and I think that's a, that's a huge deal when you have the experience to be like, I've been in this situation and I know I can come back in this. I think that helps you in a league that is young and inexperienced and has inexperienced coaches that don't know how to adjust to that. So I am like, like, if the line is here for legit or counterfeit, I'm, like, here legit. Like, I'm just, yeah. like, I have a little bit more faith than I did going into the season. Then. Yeah, and I, and I would say I'm probably, I'm probably almost the exact opposite. I'm just, I'm just underneath on, on the counterfeit side. Um, like, I, I still think he's good. I just don't think that he is going to end up being one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I just think that I think that he's probably a very mid-tier type quarterback. Like he will be he'll be fine. He'll he'll probably lead the Battle Hawks to a decent record, maybe even something like 6 and 4, 7 and 3, um get into the playoffs or something like that. But I don't think that he's going to go out there and light things up and throw for, you know, 300 yards a game, four touchdowns, stuff like that. So I think that I think that he's perfectly fine, but I don't think he's anything special. Yeah. Well, let's jump over to our power rankings. That's something we did last year for the USFL, and I wanted to keep doing it for the XFL this year, and maybe we'll do it for the USFL when we do both leagues. That's going to be a lot at one time, <laughs> um, but we'll see what happens when that comes around in like six or seven weeks. Let's just treat them like it's one league. Just do both in the same episode. <laughs> I mean, it really should be one league. Like, 
in my opinion, that's the best way these two leagues are going to survive is if they do end up merging. And I think that's going to happen at some point. Yeah, um, I give it five years max before they merge. Yeah, probably. It might be sooner than that because I, yeah. I just don't know if financially both leagues will be able to survive even five years if they're independent. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's focus on the here and now. Who is sitting in the eighth spot of your power rankings? Uh, number eight and number one, I think, were the easiest for me. Number eight, I got the Orlando Guardians. Just, yep. again, letting up seven sacks, you know, scored, I think, the least amount of points yep. all week. Um, just couldn't get anything going. And we won't know until next week whether or not just how, if the Houston team is that good or the Orlando team is just bad. But in the meantime... They're at the bottom. So, Yeah, I'm with you. I've also got Orlando in the eighth spot. Um, occupying my seventh spot is the Seattle Sea Dragons. Um, and that's just because, like, the second half, it just, everything, like, broke down for them. And I don't know how much of that is on the, the you know, the DC crowd, um, but... Uh, you look at what they did in the first half versus the second half. First half was much better on both sides of the ball. And the second half, everything just kind of broke down. Um, so that's why I've got them in, in my seventh spot. See, I'm the opposite. I put the defenders at number seven. Wow. Like, because you just look at the game. And again, Danucci didn't start throwing picks until he got pelted with lemons. But... Total plays, uh, Seattle had, I think, basically 50% more plays, um, 50% more total yards, more first downs, more uh, their down efficiency was about the same, but they got fourth downs. They did everything else yeah, so well. They played the better game. And meanwhile, Jordan Tayamu and Derek King, their two quarterbacks, totaled only 93 passing yards, 9 of 21. Yeah. And it wasn't even like their rushing attack was that great. They totaled 84 rushing yards. So it's like close to good. Usually 100 yards is about like where you want to be. But they didn't do anything special. Um, yeah. I think they just got a little lucky in the end. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we will actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch them right now. Right now, here on the fly, I'm going to put DC in my sixth spot. I had them slightly higher, but I'm going to switch them to where they're in my sixth spot for all the reasons you just mentioned. Um, the only reason I'm putting them at sixth is because they actually did win the game over Seattle. So that'd be it. That's fair. That's fair. My sixth, I put the Vipers. Um, I just, I really liked how Seattle played, and both the Vipers and the Sea Dragons lost, so I just gave the slight edge to the Sea Dragons. Um, the Vipers played really well, too. Just, uh, I like Ben DiNucci a little bit more than Luis Perez. Luis Perez hmm. had a lower completion percentage, even though he had close to the same amount of yards. Rushing the Vipers only had 25 rush yards, which is awful. Um, and their defense... Didn't really do anything spectacular either. They had three sacks, but interesting. Yeah, so interesting. I'm giving the slight edge to the Sea Dragons there. 
but we'll we'll get to where I've got the Vipers in a, in a little bit. Um, <laughs> my fifth spot, I've got the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, don't get me wrong; I think the Brahmas the Brahmas looked decent for a lot of that game, uh, but the way that they collapsed at the end is is worrisome for me. I think five is a decent spot for them. It's right there in the middle of the pack. I think that's about where they are. So I've got the Brahmas at five. At five is where I have the Sea Dragons because they did fall apart at the end. They did lose the game. So it's kind of like the best of the worst spot there. Yeah. Um, For me. So Seattle Sea Dragons at number five for me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I've got the Battlehawks at four uh, for me. And that that's really due to, um, I think they're, I, they got the win. But I do wonder how much of that is them actually being good. Um, I think they they might have snuck away with one there just because of, like I said, everything that had to go their way went their way. Um, and so I don't know quite how good they are. Again, I've got them kind of in that mid-level area right at four. Um, so, yeah, that's why I've got them there. Gotcha, yeah. Number four, I have the Arlington Renegades. Um mm. Just one of those things where, like, they won the game, but I didn't see anything super special, but they definitely played better than the defenders. Um, so, I mean, 172 yards is a lot better than 93, which is a much better completion percentage. Yeah. 83 yards on the ground, so that's about the same. Um, also got some turnovers, got three sacks as well. So taking the Renegades there um, with... Yeah. Drew Plitt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got the Vipers at third. Um, you you had them at five, is that correct? I had them at six. Six, yeah. So I've got the Vipers at third, and to me, I think they're a lot better than coming away with a loss. Uh, in my opinion, they were the best of the four teams that lost this weekend. Um, you look at what they did in the first half. They were up 14-3 to at halftime on the Renegades. Uh, and, and I do feel good about this Renegades team. I, obviously, I've got the Renegades higher than, Vi- than the Vipers. Um, but I think the Vipers, It like I said earlier, it's, it was a case to me of Rod Woodson being a new head coach and not quite knowing how to make those adjustments in the second half when things started slipping away. Um, So that is a little worrisome, but you lose by two points to a very good Arlington team that had to make a comeback um, in the second half. I don't feel bad about that loss. It just looks worse on paper than I think it actually was. Again, watching that game, I think Vegas looked to me better than they necessarily do on paper, Um, but we'll see moving forward. Yeah, I got uh, my highest ranked losing team. I got the Brahmas at three. Mm. Um, like I said earlier, Jack Cohn played a great game for it being his first like professional start. Also had one of the better rushing attacks of the weekend. Had yeah. 133 yards on the ground. Um, Callan Bollage, 24 attempts, 84 yards. Like that man was a machine. Yeah. Uh, for them and also their defense five sacks uh nine tackles for loss force fumble um they just again if they can make the adjustments and not give up another lead like they did which is hard a little bit harder to keep a lead lead in the xfl with all the you know like we said earlier the rule changes with being able to go for three points and all that but i definitely think they have the most potential of the teams that lost this week 
from yeah. what I from what I saw. Basically, your reasoning for having the Battlehawks at three is the same reasoning that I have for the Vipers at three. It's just two teams that looked good, got a, got ahead early, and then when things started going awry, new head coaches yeah. didn't, didn't quite know how to make the adjustment. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, at two, obviously, I've got the Renegades. They're uh, just slightly better than the Vipers. Got the win. Um, coming back. Again, Bob Stoops is a head coach. He's been around for a long time. Coached at Oklahoma for a good long while. Uh, and so being down, I think they were down 14-3 to three at the half is what it was. Yeah, 14-3 to three at, at halftime. He knew how to make adjustments in the second half to you know, help out his team, get his team in a position to win, and that's what happened for him. So um, I think... You bring that kind of head coaching experience; it's going to bode well for you. And I think that the the Renegades played pretty well, so yep. yeah, I've got them at two. Number two, I got the Battlehawks, um, as well as I think the Brahmas played. I think you just can't take away what the Battlehawks did in True. the last True. little bit of that game. Like when it mattered, they played probably the best football of any team on those last two drives. Now, can they do it for a whole game moving forward? Right. We'll see, but I got to give credit to them for that, you know, awesome comeback. Because watching the highlights, I'm like, this really like, like, because I saw the score before seeing the highlights, and I'm like, they really come back from this, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And, and it it really was crazy watching it that like, ev- like I said, everything that has to go right is going right. You know, they get the three point conversion, then they gotta try the onside. They get the onside. Okay, well then you gotta still go down and score a touchdown. They go down, and score a touchdown. It's like this is this is crazy. Like wh- like why is everything going well for you now versus you know ten minutes ago? What what's yeah. changed? And I do think that some of it is playing with a more aggressive play style. I don't know why. I think that it'll be interesting to see moving forward if they do that from the jump in in week two and just be more aggressive from the start um, with with the way you, you're calling plays and all of that. Uh, so. Definitely something to watch. Um, at number one, I think we ended up having the same exact one, which is the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, and that's, I mean, they were the most dominant team of the weekend, so it makes sense. Uh, again, who knows how much of that is them actually being good, and if it's Orlando being terrible or some combination of the two. But Houston looked uh, the most like the part this weekend. They, they on both sides of the ball, played incredibly well. Yeah, uh, defense, three picks, seven sacks, like you said earlier. Brandon Silver's the second most pass yards, um, 272. Yeah. They didn't rush the ball a ton, but they did average four yards a carry total on their rushing yards, um, 20 attempts, 81 yards. So uh, with two rushing touchdowns to go along with Brandon Silver's two passing touchdowns. So, yep. uh, yeah, again, one of the easier choices when you – are the only team that I think won by more than one score, then it's you got to be number one for the week. So, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's put week one in the rear view and head over to week two. And I think it's time that we get picky with it, man. And he got picky with it, na 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 na. And he got picky with it, na 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 na. And he got picky with it, na 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 na, until the very next game. Not 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 not. 
Please tell oh. me you, you get that reference. Uh, uh, I don't get the reference. Oh uh, my god! <laughs> you haven't heard the the duck song? Uh, I feel like I probably have at some point. Um, that's your that's your homework between now and next week. Okay, you just just need to look up the duck song. Somebody, you're doing yourself a favor. It's a hilarious, fun little song. Everybody okay. will enjoy it. Kids can watch it if Blake's listening. Your kid can listen to it. Oh. It's a fun time. All right. All right. <laughs> well, starting us off, week two. Thursday night football returns to the XFL. Thursday night at 9 p.m. A little bit of a late start over on FX. And I also mentioned last week that I wasn't sure, but I was correct. Every single game is streaming on ESPN Plus, so if you pay for that Disney bundle, or if you just have ESPN Plus because Disney sucks, uh, then there you go. You got every single XFL game. It's all streaming on ESPN Plus. So at 9 p.m. on Thursday night, we have the 1-0 St. Louis Battlehawks heading out to Seattle to take on the Seattle Sea Dragons. Uh, Sea Dragons making their home debut and at home, they are favored by three points. They are three-point favorites going into this game. And I don't know how I feel about that because I do think the Battlehawks are better. The, the, the Sea Dragons worried me with the way they collapsed in the second half, especially against a team that did not look good in the, in the DC Defenders. So I'm worried about it. I'm going with the St. Louis Battlehawks to get the win, spoiling the Sea Dragons' home debut. Who you got? Man, this is the hardest game to pick for me, I think, because I yeah. think both teams, they're kind of the opposite, right? The Seattle Sea Dragons played a really good first few quarters and then collapsed, whereas the Battle Hawks didn't play well until the very end. Yeah. So we're going to see what's going to give there. I personally, I just think when the Sea Dragons, I almost said St. Louis, instead of Sea Dragons. <laughs> I almost said St. Louis Sea Dragons, which is not correct. The Seattle Sea Dragons, I just think, played a better game for longer, even if they didn't play well in the second half. Yeah. And picking opposite of you is fun. And Ben DiNucci played a heck of a game and is currently the passing leader in the XFL. Um, With that wicked... Flip pass to Josh Gordon for that first touchdown. That was awesome. That was that was pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to go with the. I I thought they were going to be the underdog, but I guess I'll go with the favored Seattle Sea Dragons. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Yeah, you you mentioned Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon looked pretty good in in his his game with Seattle. Um, Has not looked great in in most of his NFL comeback attempts uh, in in the spring leagues, Um, but. Looked good with with Ben DiNucci and Seattle, so I'm excited for that because Josh Gordon, when he's when he's playing Josh Gordon football, it's fun to watch. He he is quite the talent at that wide receiver. Um, yeah, I think uh, having somebody with some NFL experience too, like because that's the only real like NFL connection I feel like. Yeah, that we have Josh Gordon, and I mean he played. He had the second most receiving yards. He was six for. Six for nine, 74 yards, and a touchdown. So, yeah, yeah, solid, solid game by him. Saturday night, we get Saturday night football. Uh, the DC Defenders at 7 p.m. are heading out to Vegas to take on the Vegas 
Vipers. That game will also be on FX or streaming on ESPN+. Uh, at home, making their home debut, the Vegas Vipers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I don't know. Hmm... I guess I can see that. I, I feel like the Lions should... I mean, it's I, who's setting lines for XFL games? That's what I want to know because I don't know how I feel about any of these. They're just kind of weird. Um, I feel like most of them should be closer at this point just because most of the teams are pretty close. Um, I don't think there's any clear, clear-cut clear like favorites to me. But Vegas, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I guess whoever's setting the line, you know what you're doing better than me. Uh got Vegas winning this one, I believe. Let me just check real quick. Yeah, I've got Vegas winning uh, this game over DC. Um, again, I think they're I think they're better than what the stats show from their first game. Um, I just have a, a, a better feeling about them. And DC is is my team of choice. I'm I'm a Defenders fan. I'm rolling with them. Um, but Vegas, I think, has the edge in this one. Uh, tickets are only 12 bucks if you're in the Vegas area and want to go to this. So get your butt to that game because it should be a good one. Who you got, man? Yeah, I'm also going with the Vipers. Uh, there's no DC fans to throw lemons at, at Luis Perez. <laughs> uh, um, no, but I just Jordan Te'amu, eight for what, 15 or 16. He's got to be better. Think, He's got to be better. I cannot get over that line. And the. Vegas Vipers defense didn't play bad, so nope. you still you got to figure it out against them. I think DC, despite squeaking out a win last week, still have a lot to figure out. So give me the Vipers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Teamu has to be better. And and honestly, if it's, I would, I would almost rather Derek King be the starter, just because I feel like he's more explosive, uh, and Teamu. He King is a worse passer for sure, but Tiamu, just watching him last year in the USFL, watching him week one of this year in the XFL, I just don't know how I feel about him anymore, man. Like he was very good three years ago for the Battle Hawks in the XFL 2.0, but since that time, he has not looked as stellar as he did for those five weeks, um, and so I just don't know. Don't know if he has the goods, uh, and and that defenders team needs good quarterback play. The, the The defense stepped up and balled out, but can they do it every week? That's a, that's a that's a tall tall task to ask uh, from from a defense to do that that kind of performance every single week. Uh, so you got to have some good quarterback play, and I don't know if Talmud is it. Yeah, and I mean the defense. Like I said, they're going to win every home game now because yeah, the state the stadium's just cursed from the beer snake. Um, <laughs> I do have to no, say, they... it's, I do have to say, it's it's odd that you look at what these two quarterbacks did. And if if I asked you uh, going into the season, who deserved to be a starter in the XFL between Jordan Te'amu and Kyle Sloter, what would your answer be? Oh, Kyle Sloter, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And he's currently yeah. sitting as a backup on a team, and Tiamu's getting a starting job. That that's like that's yeah. that's mind blowing to me when you look at the stats from those two guys last year in the USFL. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know what they saw. I don't know if it hurt Sloter that he did play in the preseason in the NFL this year and didn't play great in the games that he played in. But it's the NFL, like that's that's big boy yeah. football. This is this is 
little league professional football. So yeah. it's different. Just look at what look at what to me look at what the kid did last year in the USFL because he was arguably like the third best quarterback in that league, at least top three. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say it was him, Case Cookus, and probably DeAndre Johnson. Those, those probably yeah. my top three. And I don't know what order I'd put them in. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Case, so I might put Case number one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those are the three guys, and then Luis Perez is right there behind him at four. Yeah, and Tayamu might be fifth. Might be fifth. I would put Brian Scott above him, uh, just based off the, the the like two or three weeks we saw of Brian Scott. And so, like you're looking at the sixth best quarterback in the USFL is getting a starting job over a top three quarterback. It's just it's mind blowing to me because, like I said, Sloter is better than Tiamu and Luis Perez. At least he was last year, and he's yeah. sitting on the bench. If I'm DC. Yeah, I might be getting Arlington on the phone and saying, hey, let's work out some kind of trade if you're not going to use this guy. Yeah, he's sitting behind Plitt, right? Correct, yeah. And Plitt didn't even, like, Plitt he didn't, didn't have, look like, a good. great game. No, yeah. he didn't look good. So so something's got to be a little bit off there. Like, Sloter must not be playing that well in practice, or maybe he's just not doing great in Bob Stoops' system. Something. Uh, yeah. But I, I would be getting him... I'd be getting them on the phone and saying, let's let's make something happen here. Because if, yeah, either... if, if two weeks in, Te'amu puts up another performance like he did last week, and you're not seeing any kind of big spark out of Derek King, you got to do something. Because yeah. it's a 10-week schedule. So after two, two weeks, things are going to start getting more and more serious. You got to make a move. Yeah. Well, let's sure. let's head over to Sunday. We've got the San Antonio Brahmas making their way out to Florida to take on the Orlando Guardians on the road. San Antonio are three point favorites. This I actually agree with because Orlando are terrible. Uh, at least they looked terrible this past weekend. So San Antonio on the road, three point favorites. I like it. Um, tickets are as low as thirteen dollars. If you're in the Orlando area, go out and catch a game. Go support this league. Um, I've got the Brahmas rolling over the Guardians. Uh, I just think I think they're better. Well, until the Guardians show me some sort of life, I'm probably always going to pick against them just based off of how bad they looked in week one. Who you got, man? Oh, yeah, I'm also going with the Brahmas. I think, uh, like I said, how the Sea Dragons, that might have been the hardest game to pick. This is the easiest for sure because yep. Yep. the Guardians just – the Brahmas, I think, had the second most sacks of the week against a better team than the Guardians. So mm-hmm. if the Guardians can't handle Houston, I don't think they're going to be able to handle San Antonio either, even if it is their home debut. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Well, let's finish off week two, Sunday Night Football on ESPN2. We have at 7 p.m., the Arlington Renegades heading about four hours south to Houston to take on the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, at home, the Roughnecks are four and a half point favorites. Um, I actually like that line. I think the Roughnecks are a dang good football team. At least, again, they look that way against 
maybe a really bad team in, in the Guardians, um, but they took care of business like, like you're supposed to against bad teams. I think this will be a close one, um, but I do like Houston being favored. I don't know if four and a half. Four and a half might be a little a little too wide of a gap, but I I like them being favored. Um, I'm taking the Roughnecks to get it done week two over the Renegades. Who you got, man? Yeah, I think we're only disagreeing on one this week because as as much as I hate picking a Houston team, uh, it's just hard to argue with what they did last week. And it might, again, it might just be that the Guardians were bad, but Brandon Silver's second most passing yard. They had the most sacks, um, four total touchdowns, which I think was the most of any team. Definitely the most points scored. It's You can't bet against them until they give you a reason. Same with the Guardians. You can't bet for them until they give you a reason. Um, yeah. I think Houston just played better. They had better quarterback play. They had better defensive play. And I don't think that's a fluke. I think they're going to... I think it will be closer than the Guardians game, but I don't think by much. Yeah, I feel like this is... This game might be the most fun of the weekend. Like, I feel like this This could be the most... Um, this could be the most like back and forth kind of game of the weekend. I I feel like uh, I I think these are two very good teams, um, and I'm excited for it. I I think I think it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, Saturday. I'm cleaning out my garage, but there's only one game Saturday, right? So yeah, only one game Saturday night, seven p.m. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for week two, man. I think I think we had a good showing in week one. I'm excited to see some of these other teams get their home debuts, see what the crowds look like. Um, and again, excited for good football. Three three of the four games this past weekend were good. Um, we had the one blowout, but I think that this weekend, even even like even the Brahmas and Guardians game this weekend, I think will be a good one because I don't think the Brahmas are a great team necessarily. I think they're good. And so, you know, I don't see San Antonio necessarily blowing the doors off the guardians. I could see, I yeah. could see, I could see Orlando keeping it close. Um, yeah. so I think especially we, for their, I think this is their home debut, right? Yeah, they exactly. Last week. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, I think that we could get actually, no, I think I want to say the roughnecks played at Orlando, uh, this path. Hold on. Let me check that. No, they no, played. No, okay, uh, yeah, they, they they played in Houston. You're correct. Houston's um, getting two games in a row. That's rude. Yeah, yeah. Well, some it's gonna happen to somebody, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that all four games are good, close matchups, because um, the three that were this past weekend were very fun. They all came down to the wire. So yeah, that's what I want to see. Good football. That's what I'm here for. So let's go. Let's make it happen. As always we appreciate you tuning in and listening uh on whatever format that you are doing so whether it be apple or spotify or google podcast i think actually they discontinued google podcast and changed to something else but irregardless <laughs> whatever you're listening on we appreciate it if you're watching us on youtube hey thanks for hanging out uh, go ahead and click that like and subscribe button uh, and make sure you're notified every single time we go live on Tuesdays, roughly around 8 p.m., sometimes a little bit later. We kind of decide on the fly. But we appreciate the love and support, um, however you are giving it to us. Uh, we have socials. Go follow those socials if you so desire. 
uh, the real party is in the discord come hop into that and have a good time with the rest of us uh, but i believe that is all and that is that hey ciao